Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I think sometimes, I think oftentimes, it's very easy for us, especially daily Mass folks, uh, priests too, I think it's very easy for us to kind of move in Mass in a little bit of an autopilot kind of mode. Um, during Mass we say things, we do things, we move without really being aware of what we're saying, right? We just, it's just the, it's the danger of the autopilot mode, right? It's, I mean, how many times have you driven to some place that you've driven to, you know, hundreds of times, suddenly you, you arrive there and you're like, I don't even remember driving here, right? Happens all the time. Maybe not all the time. But anyway, that's the danger of the sort of autopilot mode, right? So take, for example, the psalm that we just prayed in the Mass today. And I'm just asking rhetorically, you don't have to raise your hand, did our psalm response strike anybody as a little bit odd, or did we just say it over and over and over again? Because it took me several times of like reading through the scriptures for the Mass today for, for me to actually suddenly see like, oh, this is what we're actually saying. And this is pretty extraordinary. This is what we're saying. It's pretty extraordinary. Like, we were saying to God over and over again here in the Mass this morning, listen, Lord, and answer me. Listen, Lord, and answer me. Just think, just bracketing those words, when you have heard those words before in your life, what has been the context? What's been the tone, right? And I'm sure those of you who are parents, maybe you're having uh, flashbacks right now to moments with your teenage children, right? Either you saying this to them, like, listen and answer me, right? Or them saying it to you, right? This is not uh, like a polite psalm, I guess is the point. This is not, yeah, it's not polite. There's such a tone of, of passion here. There's so much, there's anger and fear and frustration and desperation and desire. There's so much in this, right? This is not a sort of mousy, polite, British prayer of supplication, like, pardon me, my Lord, if you have time, my Lord. I don't mean to trouble you, my Lord, right? There is passion here. This is like a fist pounding on the heart of God. That's what this psalm is. Listen, Lord, answer me. In fact, all of the readings that we have today, they're filled with this same passion, this same desire the same fervent desperation, right? The first reading we have with David, David weeping and mourning over the death of his son Absalom, who was seeking his own life, but it's just such a complex, broken family dynamic. And to finally see that his son had been taken down by his own soldiers, right? This scene is so sad. David sitting on the roof of his palace, weeping. You can hear it. Absalom, my son, my son. You know, one of my uh, favorite paintings of all time is, it depicts this very scene. It's at the Cleveland Museum of Art. It's by an artist named uh, Frederick Layton. Um, it's, it's gorgeous. If you ever get a chance to go up to the Cleveland Museum of Art, you can see this image. You just see David looking over the city, weeping, right? So much passion. Passion, right? Fervor, desperation. There's no sense of decorum, especially in, in the gospel that we have. There's no politeness, if you will, in the gospel that we have. Jairus, right, the synagogue official, he comes busting through this crowd. Like, picture that. Imagine this, right? Those of, you who, those of you who are parents, especially fathers, imagine that your child is dying. 
and the only hope they have is this man. He's the only hope they have. What would you look like moving through that crowd? I don't think you'd be very polite. I don't think you would be very calm. Like, what would you do to get to him? I see him, like, tears streaking down his face. I see him breathless. I see him desperate and disheveled. I see bags under his eyes because of the long nights that he's been keeping vigil at his daughter's bedside. I just see a very broken, desperate, sad man coming to Jesus, right? And this other woman that we have in the gospel, this woman who for 12 years has been experiencing this hemorrhaging, right, from her own body, and she's been cut off because of this, cut off from from life, cut off from friends, cut off from family, having to live in seclusion and isolation of everything because of the Jewish purity laws, right? This woman who hears of Jesus coming, she just simply out of desperation, throws caution to the wind, knowing full well that if I step into this crowd of people, I'm going to be committing a grievous sin, rendering everyone around me ritually impure, but I don't care because I have to get to him. If I could just touch him, if I could just touch his clothes, then I'll be healed. Desperate, disheveled, lacking all decorum, right? She reaches out. I was sitting there praying again this morning, just like the question arose in my heart just for myself. Like, have you ever longed for something so badly like that? Do I consistently long for the Lord like that? Have I ever let my heart's longings drive me like that? I mean, I think for most of us, I think we keep our desires pretty well tamped down. We stay pretty polite. Like our prayers with the Lord tend to stay pretty well tamped down. Like rarely do I come rushing at Jesus with such need, with such passion, with such desire, with such desperation as Jairus or this hemorrhaging woman. I'm usually more polite, right? We're usually more polite and cordial, not expecting much, not demanding much. But the scriptures, friends, like the scriptures this morning, they're teaching us a different way. They're teaching us like this pounding on the heart of the Father. Listen, Lord, and answer me. He doesn't want slaves. He wants sons and daughters. And sons and daughters throw tantrums. Sons and daughters ask big things. Sons and daughters look at their father and they say, give me the world. Sons and daughters ask their father to make impossible things possible. He doesn't want slaves. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't simply want our polite, well-behaved prayers. He wants us to treat him like a father. To let our desires be known. I was struck by, I was reading from the letter to the Hebrews again the other day. And uh, the author to the letter to the Hebrews describes Jesus' earthly ministry, his, his incarnation with these words. This is Hebrews 5, beginning at verse 7. In the days of his flesh, so the time of the incarnation when he was among us, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. With loud cries and tears. Like, I guess the question is, why would we suppose that he wants us to act any different? Amen. Amen.